Good morning, everyone. We, uh, at my church years ago, we didn't have uh, a worship team. And we had to use videos or, or that kind of thing. Um, count your blessings that we have a worship team like this. Um, men and women of God. Well, let me say it. Get it out of the way. Happy Father's Day. For the 400th time today, texts, emails, phone calls, here at church. I'm not talking about you fathers today, period. Well, maybe a little. I'm leaving us out of the spotlight. Because I don't know about you, but I don't deserve a spotlight. I want to focus on our real Father. Our Father. Our Father. How many of you have a Father? Please raise a hand because I'm getting nervous. Okay, okay. How many of you only have one Father? If you are a child of God, you've got two. You've got two. One, like myself, is inferior. I want to focus on the perfect father. Rob and I were uh, joking. Rob does the sound. And uh, he came up to me and he asked me if my watch was working. And that's the sound guy's way of saying, don't run over. <laughs> so, if you notice, I just took my watch off. And at that distance, I... What? Where? Where's my sound? I'll come home to your watch for you. I'll put it in my pocket. But I really want to talk about... The perfect father, the personal father to every one of us who is born again. But I don't want to exclude those either here, live stream, or even those who might sometime in the future listen to this. If you only have one father, there's a perfect father waiting. This sermon, however, really is about believers. It's not just about fathers. It's not just about men. It's about every believer in Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity. I pray that you would speak to us through your word. Help us to hear well. And as James said, help us not to just be hearers, but to be doers of the word. Help us to walk away, Father, knowing that you love us. And as Chuck is so often saying, for God so loved the world. Those who only have one father, there's another father. Listen to him. He's calling. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
Today, uh, I'm going to be reading from, if you have your Bibles, and I encourage you, please bring your Bibles. I know we have slides and all that, uh, but bring your Bibles. Um, I've worn out several, had several <laughs> uh, rebound and all that, but anyway, if you would, follow along on the slides. If you have your Bible, we're in Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to read through uh, chapter 14. I meant through verse 15. 1 through 15. So let's start at 16.1. This is Jesus speaking. And he said, take care not to practice your righteousness in the sight of people. To be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. Verse 2, so when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, so that they'll be praised by people. Truly, I say to you that they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that your charitable giving will be in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Verse 5. And when you pray... You are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they will be seen by people. Truly, I say, they have their reward in full. But as for you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close the door, pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, verse 7, do not use thoughtless repetition as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard because of their many words. So do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need. Before you ask him, I'm going to stop there and we're going to do a little quiz um, to uh, to those who answer correctly. uh, And especially if you answer uh, first, uh, Jim will be handing out uh, the rewards. Um, Is that good, Jim? Okay, quiz time. The word father, how many times was it used in those eight verses? <sighs> okay, question two. The word reward, how many times was that used? Who said that? Were you counting? No. <laughs> That's almost as bad. What about the word secret? How many times? The word prayer. 
One of the things that I was taught when I was going to uh, to school for my boiler licenses, um, no, I mean for seminary studies, that was a joke because I, I used to carry anyway. Um, read, you know, re- read, don't just read, read. Take notes. This isn't the first, this actually isn't the sermon I was preparing initially, but this is the one that came to mind. And as, as God laid it on my heart, I start reading it and rereading it. And I'm starting to underline and I'm starting to count. And the word father, just in those first eight verses, is used five times. And I was taught that anything that's repeated more than once probably important the more it's repeated the more important it is father used five times reward five times secret four times and prayer four times I want to go back and I want to start these eight verses over again And I've got a couple of thoughts on these. Matthew 6, verse 1 says, Take care. means be attentive. Pay attention. Are you listening? Not to practice. That's don't make a big thing out of your righteousness. Don't be a show-off. Don't be a show-off for people. And then it says, because if you do, that's all the reward you're getting. Now, I want to remind you, God wants to reward us. Amen? That was weak. God wants to reward us. Now, you're getting better. Okay. How many of you does that idea of God rewarding us, does that make you a little uncomfortable? Okay. Because I want to say you should at least be cautious because don't make that your focus. But understand, God wants to reward us for our good behavior. My sister used to get $5 for every A. The offer was for both of us. You know where this is going. I think at the end of every school year, I owed my parents money. But God wants to reward us. And here Jesus is telling us how we can receive reward. And this one is actually a negative. Don't do things for others for their praise and and so forth. Do it quietly. Do it quietly. Why? Because our Father sees. I know when my sister and I were growing up, you know, they would tell us, you know, especially, you know, when you get a little older and you got that learner's permit in your pocket and, hey, can I borrow the truck? Yes, we had a pickup. And uh, it was like, God's going to be with you. I was like, well, that's a... That's a real joy robber right there, you know. 
God sees. God sees. And he wants to reward. Verse 2. So when... Do you notice that Jesus doesn't say, you know, and if the Spirit moves you to pray, or if you think about it, he says, no, so when, not if, when, when you give to the poor. How many of you have been driving along lately in the past 20 years and noticed that there are people standing on the streets with little cardboard signs? And I'm not going to tell you whether you should or shouldn't. I'm just going to, you know, I find it hard. Joy and I both find it hard to just drive by. We don't have a lot of money. But I've got more than they do. When you give to the poor, and I actually was contemplating not even saying that, because then I'm thinking, well, am I, have I got my reward then? <laughs> Because I really do want God's reward. When you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue. Don't do that. You give, there's the little boxes over there. Chuck talked about, you know, not having plates and all that. That's good. That's your tithe. That's your 10%. That is a biblical requirement. But this other stuff. You know, around Christmas, there's these people, there used to be more of them, they had these little bells and a bucket. And a big stink was made about that. I can't pass those by. I've got to. Don't seek your praise from others. You've got your reward then. But this idea in verse 4, so that your charitable giving will be in secret. I know that on the income tax, you know, you got to, how much charitable giving? And there are times where you just want to, it's none of your business. But I know we've got to. I'm not telling you to be all kinds of rebellious. But God sees. And here, in these verses, God knows. God knows. And verse 5 starts off the same way. And when you pray, verse 2, so when you give, verse 5, and when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues to be seen by people. When you pray... There are times, yeah, we're on prayer meeting, and, uh, you know, it's all Zoom, and, and before that, um, you know, there'd be a group of us, and it'd be kind of weird, you know, I don't want to pray in front of people because this says, you know, we shouldn't do that. No, that's not what it's saying. It's saying about your motive. What's your motive for giving? What's your motive for praying? That kind of thing. Don't do it for people. You've got your reward. And in case you haven't noticed, people will turn on you in a heartbeat. Amen? Will God? Not even a little. He's a good, good father. 
And Todd, I want to thank you for that song because every time I sing it, I start to choke up, so it's getting harder to speak. So I'm going to stop thinking about that song. Anyway, your father who sees in secret, pray to him. And your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. That's our father. That's our father. See, my dad... He didn't know my heart. But I've got a father who does. And he loves me in spite of my imperfection, my sin. He still loves me. Verse 7, and when you are praying. There's a whole lot of wins in here, isn't there? Isn't it great? People say, I don't know what God wants me to do. How about you pray, you give you know, and, and, and you do good things, the things that Scripture teaches you. And when you are praying, don't use thoughtless repetition. Pray from the heart. I feel bad for people that, you know, you ask them to pray and they get all clammed up. And it's like, it's not about you. You're talking to your father. Your father. Your Father. Our Father knows what we need before we ask. Actually, I believe that means our Father knows what we need before we even know it. Why is it important for us to stay close to our Heavenly Father? Because He knows us. He loves us. He sees everything. And He hears. He hears. Very quickly, I said I wasn't going to do it, but obviously I lied. Um, how many of you earthly fathers can live up to this? Oh, good. Me either. Okay. All right. Good. But isn't it nice for all of us to know that we have a father like that? A father who loves us so much that he's devoted time. Every person alive right now on planet Earth. He's listening individually or he can to each one. And it's so bizarre that it's undivided attention. So if all of us started to pray, every believer in here started to pray. I know what it's like when I'm in a room. My hearing's not quite what it used to be. Um, but when there's like people talking and I'm trying to have a conversation, it gets a little difficult. And yet there's the Father, our Father in heaven saying, talk to me. Talk to me. And you're going, well, I'll just wait my turn. He's going, no, it is your turn right now. It is our turn. We don't have just a good, good father. We have a great, big, good, good father. And in this series of teaching in Matthew 5 and 6, 
Jesus giving all this wonderful, wonderful teaching that have been taught. These things have been taught over the generations. And then we get to verse 9. Verse 9. Some call it the Lord's Prayer. Um, Some of us call it, you know, the Disciples' Prayer. The Apostles' Prayer. I don't care what you call it. Jesus was teaching on how to pray. Pray then in this way. Our Father. Now I'm going to pause right now. What's changed? In those first eight verses, what you heard is your Father. Your Father. Now it's our Father. Is that significant? I believe so. I believe so. There's a couple of different meanings that are possible here. One is that Jesus is now saying, you can come like I come to the Father. And you can say, our Father. It can be a corporate thing. All believers, we can say, our Father. Our Father. But no matter how you look at this, this is an affirmation. That we're not only joined with Christ, identified with Christ, joint heirs, but that we have been adopted by the Father so that positionally, positionally, we are children just like Jesus is the Son. Guys, you're the son. Women, you're the daughters. Our Father. I believe that's significant. For an unbeliever, I hear it a lot when I do my counseling. And fathers have a significant part in either success or failure, not totally up to you. Your kid has their own, you know, personality and their own bent. Latest studies, um, from what we know, fatherless families are, are it's, you know, they were taking a nosedive, but now it's just like they're dropping off a cliff because they don't have an Our Father. In their lives. They don't have an earthly father. And nobody's told them perhaps. About their heavenly father. Don't let Chuck Harrison. Be the only one that's out there. Telling them. About a father. Beyond. Their progeny. Their their lineage. That kind of thing. We need to share. The hope. The love, the grace, the intimacy. Of our Heavenly Father with those who don't have one. 
Most of you have heard sermons on this section. I'm not going to try and repeat it. But I think it's important. Pray then, verse 9, in this way, our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. It's so important um, for those of you who have not watched the news uh, in the last 10 years. The world is not in good shape. Okay? <laughs> and it's changing, ever-changing. And it just seems like it's on this uphill climb and we're doing better and we're putting off old and we're putting on new and we're coming more and more like Christ. And that was... Uh, that was not true. <laughs> Things are getting worse. Okay? But our Father is in heaven. These are great starting points. Anybody in the last year or two felt like your world was falling apart a little bit at a time? Sometimes three or four pieces at a time? Okay? In my counseling, you can, I, you know, this is replacement therapy. I'm either going to look at what's on fire or I'm going to look for a fire extinguisher. And our Father is the fire department to beat all fire departments. Amen? Those who don't turn to Him as the great God and Savior risk that eternity of fire, torment. For goodness sakes, we've got to tell people about that. I know I've told you this before, but I don't care where I am. Joy will tell you, I don't care where I am. I'll start talking to somebody, and as quickly as I can, I'll find an opening, and I'll start talking about God. I'll start talking about Jesus because I want them to be able to pray this, our Father. I want to have another brother or sister in eternity. Can't have too many. Can't have too many. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name, holy is your name. Moses sees this bush on fire in the Old Testament and he goes over to take a look at it and that voice, the voice of God, take off your sandals where you're standing is holy. I don't know about you, but I mean, if I was Moses, I think I would have gotten goosebumps on goosebumps. You know, going, whoa, Can you imagine us having that opportunity to share Christ with somebody who comes to that moment where they realize who God is, who Jesus is, and you see them get goosebumps. Chuck, you've talked about this before. That's our Father. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven is perfect right now. Heaven has always been perfect. God has always wanted 
perfection. He is aiming to restore perfection. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. Who occupies the kingdom? You've got a ruler. We call them kings. But who else is in a kingdom? Subjects. They are members of the kingdom. How many of you right now are members of the kingdom? We're just waiting on somebody. Who is it? The king. We are members of that kingdom. I was hoping for a hallelujah, amen, or something like that. Okay, that's it. I'm throwing a watch out. We're staying until that happens. Oh, you just want to get out early. That's not nice. You guys are not well. (laughs) Verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Israel, you know the story, heading through the desert. And they're starting, it's about dinner time, and they're going, man, sure is, uh, you know, my stomach's growling. And who gave daily bread back then? God. They called it manna. I call it hamburgers or brisket. I shouldn't have brought that up. Now I'm starting to lose focus. Give us this day our daily bread. This is our Father. Our Father. We know from Scripture that this Father, this Heavenly Father, only gives good gifts. And He knows our need before we even ask Him. But he still wants to hear it from you. Still wants to hear it. He deserves to hear it. This Father's Day, do something different. Maybe. Do something differently. Spend a few minutes today thanking your Father for not just food, but for your breath your clothing, your spouse, your car that runs, whatever it is. Spend time thanking. Verse 12, And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. I want to pause here. Probably the hardest thing I ever taught, I started, I read a book when I was in school training. It was about forgiveness. And uh, I have to say, there's like two books out of all, out of all my college time, this one and one other stood out. I actually taught this book, um, and I've used it ever since. Uh, I'm not going to mention the author and all that stuff, but if you want, you can come and ask me. But it's about forgiveness. It's about forgiveness. How many of you, be, you know, maybe believe or have heard so many times you believe, you know, just forgive and forget. 
Oh, that's water under the bridge or over the dam, under the dam. I forget what it is. But anyway, it's behind you. No. No. Forgiveness is active. Forgiveness has purpose and a point and a direction and a conclusion. When Jesus was on that cross and he said to Telestai, it is finished. Up until that point, he had been saying, forgive them, forgive them. And he gave us an example. You want to please the Father? You want to stay tight with God? You better learn how to forgive. It's probably one of the hardest things. Coming to Christ is easy. You recognize you're a sinner. He's a Savior. There's either heaven or hell. I know I need to give this up and that thing. But it's really fairly simple. But everything after that is a little difficult. And I think forgiveness is one of them. Most difficult. Forgiveness is an act of the will. But we have a choice and we have an example in Christ. And here Christ, before His crucifixion, before Him being nailed to the cross, and as He's being nailed saying, forgive them, Father, forgive them. He's telling us we better learn how to do it. And then He gave us the example sometime later on how to do it. And then he said, come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Forgive our debts. I want to point out something maybe a little uncomfortable, a little painful, maybe, maybe not, I don't know. But the condition for receiving forgiveness is doing what? Forgiving. That would make you uncomfortable, wouldn't it? And yet it's the very thing we need to do because until that time, if we are unforgiving, we are in bondage to the one that hurt us. Think about it. Verse 13, don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God doesn't lead people into temptation. He might let it happen. But I want you to understand, He's not going to leave you there. Jesus said, I'll never give you more than you can bear, but I'll always give you the strength to bear up under and a means out. But we need to pray. How many of you have been at the breaking point in your life And it's one thing after another, or it's just one big thing. Your Father knows it. Your Father knows it, and He wants to help us out. He wants to lead us out. He is our Deliverer. Verse 14, for if you forgive other people of their offense, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If we forgive others, then our Father forgives us. But if you don't forgive, then your Father will not forgive your offense. Those are startling words, harsh words, sobering words. I don't know what you want to call them. 
But God takes forgiveness seriously. In the past, I don't know how long, 20 years, 30, 40 years, I don't know, parenting, fathering, has become weaker and weaker and weaker. I want them to be my friend. Well, if that's all you're doing, are you just leading them right to hell? Because in Scripture it says Jesus is a friend of sinners. You're going to tell your kid he's a sinner? Then you'd better be able to point out what the rules are. And we need to live up to those rules. How many of you are perfect? Work in progress. Work in progress. I hope every one of us can say who's been born again, not what I should be, but I'm not what I was. Paul said, Paul said, I press on towards the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That high calling... Peter wrote it in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. He said, you, as believers, as children of God, are a royal priesthood here on earth to declare the riches of God's glory. If you know anything of God's glory, then speak up. Tell others about His glory. Because there's a Father waiting to adopt more children. You weren't the last one. Oh, well, you know, I got Paul, so okay, door's closed. (laughs) I don't think so. Now, we don't have... My dad's been gone for a long time. Joy's dad even longer. But I want to say that My dad was not perfect. But then again, neither was I as a father. I'm still not. But if I'm not what I'm supposed to be, don't just stay there. If you're not what you're supposed to be, man, woman, mother, Father, it doesn't matter. As a child of God, if you're not what you're supposed to be, there is this great instructional video. Well, it's not really a video. It's kind of old school. It's in written format. But I'll tell you what. You start studying this. You start committing time. Timothy, study to show thyself approved. Workmen rightly handling the word of truth need not be ashamed. I don't think I have ever met a Christian or one who even claims to be a Christian who didn't answer in the affirmative. Do you want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into your rest? Do you really want to hear that? Well, yeah. We've got some ways to do that. Because we know that our Father sees. 
Our Father knows. Our Father hears. And our Father loves us. If you don't know Christ today as Savior, either here, live stream, sometime in the future you're watching this, Christ is reaching out. He wants to have adopted brothers and sisters. He's waiting. He's waiting for us. We're not waiting for Him. For those of us that have come to faith, are we doing what we should? Are we doing as much as we should, when we should, how we should? Pick it up this week. Do a little better. Do a little better. And don't forget, God does want to reward us. Don't make that your focus. Don't make that your motive. But understand, this good, good Father wants to reward us because He knows all about hard work. His Son did the hard work. And He rewarded Him with a place at the right hand of His Father in glory. Let's pray. Father, I do thank You for this day. Every day should be Father's Day for you. Every day, Father, help us to do better. Lord, for those who don't know you, Father, I pray that you would draw them in. Your word says that those outside of the faith are blind, living in darkness. Help us to be salt and light. That, Father, you might be able to move in and do your thing. That you might save. Strengthen us. Give us a good day. Lord, thank you for chilly weather. Pray for all the barbecues that are going to be a little cold. Lord, you love us. Help us to love you. In Jesus' name, amen.